Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn, and today more than ever before, companies, brands, and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to up-level your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So please join us. Today, we have a story about transformation, how purpose, when it is clearly articulated, can become, again, the tie that binds culture, operations, societal engagement in a very, very powerful way. NRG is a different kind of energy company. At their very center, they're customer-focused. It's one of their core values. And how they have transformed their business. They have utilized their purpose, which if you take it down to its very discreet few words, it's about powering the possible. In the long hand, they describe their purpose as, we are an energy company powered by people and built on dynamic retail brands with diverse generation resources. We bring the power of energy to people and organizations. And their goal is to long-term create a sustainable energy future. I encourage our listeners to watch the video that will be in the show notes. It's called With Power, It's Possible. It's a social experiment that NRG created um, in an airport. You can so identify with it if you travel a lot. You know, oh my God, your phone's down to like 15%. You're looking for an outlet. There aren't enough outlets. Everybody's looking for an outlet. Your plane's delayed and you're about to pull your hair out. And so there was a wall that was very, very simple. And it had, oh, at least 20, 25 outlets. But the outlets were spread under three key words. One was solar, one was wind, and one was fossil. And the experiment was to watch when people looked up where they would put their device to repower it. The point of the experiment was this. Energy is totally invested in educating their customer base, commercial, but even more so residential, their retail customers, that you have a choice about power. You have a choice and a role to play in a decarbonized energy future. And choice is thoroughly embedded in the purpose of NRG, how they articulate your purpose when they say, you know, powering your possible. It's choice for employees. It's choice for who they engage with, whether it's in the community, whether it's in the environmental movement, in a COVID world, and in a world where we are all confronting systemic racism. 
we have a wonderful individual with us today, Jennifer Brunel's trajectory at the company has been one that is a great example for all of us in our careers. Um, You know, she'll talk about when she started, it was philanthropy and it was siloed and money was given away. Now she's part and parcel of the company's operations and their transformation journey. Because she's a great student and she does her homework and that she doesn't stand down when she has something she believes in, it allows that company to embrace their purpose, to embrace their engagement with communities and employees in a very powerful way. So I want to introduce Jennifer and welcome you to the show. Thank you, Carol. I appreciate that. I always like to start with the numbers because it's great to have a context about our guest, and the organizations they work for. So let's talk a little bit about NRG. They were founded in 1992. They have dual headquarters in Princeton, New Jersey, which is more the finance, and then Houston, Texas, which is the operations. Their revenues in their fiscal year that ended in December 2019 was almost $10 billion. They have nearly 5,000 employees, They have 20 locations in the United States, a publicly held company. Um, And over the years, they've acquired more than 17 companies since their founding. They have 3.7 million customers. That's a really important point. 3.7 million customers, commercial and residential. So, Jennifer, let's get started. You have over 12 years of charitable giving expertise in multiple settings for a not-for-profit association and in corporate roles. Being on both sides of the table, how have you seen charitable giving and corporate philanthropy evolve at a high level over the past years? I think charitable giving has changed dramatically, even within the the not-so-distant future. Um, When I was involved with association management, They were mostly professional organizations, so we administered a lot of testing. There were a lot of subject matter experts. Uh, They didn't have an agenda that really touched on a greater societal need. Fast forward to my role at NRG, when I first started in 2009, philanthropy was doing good to do good. It didn't necessarily align with the business case. It didn't have a focus in terms of areas where we would support. It was, do we feel that this is a good charity? Is this a good organization? Is it serving the public? Is it doing good? Well, then we should give money to it. And to be honest, it was something that not everybody was aware of at the organization. So there were some savvy individuals that took advantage of the program um, and really were able to promote their own agenda and their own causes. And for the rest of the organization, it was like, yeah, we do something. Um, But this was in the days where most people still had a paper United Way campaign um, (laughs) where people would fill out slips in December in the fourth quarter and they would designate where they wanted to give their annual contribution. And and that's it. That's all people thought about. I remember um, probably two or three years into my role at NRG arguing with our then CEO because I wanted to focus on a particular initiative. I don't remember what it was at the time, but it showed that 
both NRG, the organization could benefit because I, I believe at the time, maybe it, it did have to do with electric vehicles. So I was promoting an, uh, an opportunity that dealed with electric vehicles, said, I really think that this would be beneficial to both NRG and to the nonprofit and the community that we're serving. And he was like, absolutely not. It, it felt dirty to him because he had this view that philanthropy should just be altruistic. Um, and, and again, that's not that far in the past. Um, fast forward to where we are today, I think everybody has moved to a more strategic approach, which was a challenge for NRG. Um, and I'm happy to speak to being an angel organization versus being somebody that's in a space where, you know, you're punching up um, because people are very critical of your industry. And I think it's also been a challenge for us in the utility space because we don't have a tangible product. It's a commodity. So when you look at purpose, when you look at aligning with your business and your core values, it's really evolved and is much more nuanced in the sense that, okay, well, we don't have a tangible product, but how do we meet consumers? How do we engage people in this conversation? And like the example that you noted at the top here, it's taking this intangible concept and discussing it in a way that makes it practical and obvious to people. Uh, another example that I can give that that I loved that was really relatable to people, a couple of years ago in Philadelphia, we set out in December, right around the holidays, with a hot cocoa truck. And with the hot cocoa truck, you had two separate lines. You had a line where you could just go get hot chocolate and that's it, no options. And then there was a second line where you could customize it. And you can choose sprinkles, you can choose whipped cream, you can choose a cinnamon stick. There are a lot of... I'm getting hungry. <laughs> it, it was very popular, especially when people knew that, uh, found out that it was free. And what it did, while people were waiting on the line, it was like, okay, you like choice, right? You would wait for the choice so that it's customizable. It's the way that you want it. And again, when, when people found out that it was an energy company, because we did not want to promote the brand, it was creating a conversation and taking this abstract concept and bringing it into a reality that people could relate to. Um, people are like, wow, I want to know more. I want to know more about energy. I want to know more about how I can purchase my power. Why does it matter to me? So I think, getting back to your original question, it's evolved. Um, to the point where it's unrecognizable from 10 years ago, from five years ago. It's really changed in terms of being laser focused on aligning with your business, your brand, and your identity. And how does that make you feel? Because, you know, you've been at the company for uh, quite a while, um, about 10 years. And so you've lived through a different CEO, a new CEO, very clear about choice. I think it's exciting. I think there's always opportunity. I appreciate aligning with the business because if you're not aligned, if you don't have clearly defined purpose, it's not only difficult for you to understand what your objectives are, but your customers, the public, your stakeholders don't know who you are. Um, I think that there are absolutely still challenges in terms of acting in a way that aligns with your identity 
And as more social issues get pulled into the mix, making sure that you are being mindful of all of your constituents and all of your viewpoints. Um, and I think that it's, it's challenging, yet there is an opportunity there for all of us. We just have to be willing to have the discourse and determine who, who we are as a brand and then saying, okay, as the brand, what do we stand for? What, what makes sense for who we are? Let's talk about how the purpose was discovered for NRG. Were you part of that process? Because I know it has evolved, I think, in the last even five years. In some ways, I'm very intimately involved. In other ways, it's top down. But more than it being top down or engaging in one piece, what I think NRG has done successfully and what I am proud of is it's not just our C-suite saying something, it's my peers, whether that's in government affairs, whether that's in investor relations, communications, marketing, getting together at the mid-management level and saying, okay, what are you working on? What are your pain points? Is there something that I can do to help you have that conversation? And once we started talking and looking at where topics aligned or initiatives that we could support each other, it really allowed us to leverage all of our assets and all of our skills to help drive that purpose. And sometimes it's very simple. Um, an example that I would use that, that, that I think could apply to everybody, not just a utility or somebody in the energy space, is with HR, we have health and wellness, mental health is important. So using philanthropy to partner with somebody like American Heart Association, what walks are we doing? How does that align with how HR is telling their health and wellness story? Um, we did an interesting study with American Diabetes Association, knowing that we had a higher than book average population of employees that were either diabetic or pre-diabetic. Well, here's a proof point of where we can share information with the employees and do so to help reduce some of our HR spend. So it's looking at ways where if we weren't talking with each other, if we weren't understanding again what those pain points are, we might go partner with somebody else. And think it's just as good of an organization and maybe to the outside uh, world or the customer, they don't necessarily see why we're partnering with them, but it's coming up with that focus, that purpose uh, internally and externally, because we do have two different stakeholder groups there um, to align with achieving the corporate goal. And so what you're emphasizing is clarity, that, the, that your purpose gave you clarity. Um, and I love that. It's, you know, it's like, it's like a fence, you know, I'm a horse person, so you need to have a paddock, you know, otherwise the horses are going to run away. So it's your paddock, it's, it's your fence that allows you to make a decision, yay or nay. Um, I'd love you to talk about the description of your purpose, because I watched some of, of your videos and, um, you know, power your possible. I really love that because that's what you do as an energy company. But talk to me about the purpose statement. And then, cause I know it's modified a few places, but I think that's where it, it gets to be owned by you and your colleagues. 
purpose from a philanthropic standpoint is really us looking into the future of where do we want to be. Um, just for a point of reference for, for everybody that's listening, we had activist investors come in a few years ago. We divested a large portion of our renewable assets. So when we talk about decarbonization, when we talk about a clean energy future, we want to make sure people understand where we're coming from. We're not there today if you were to look at what our assets are in our balance sheet, right? However, from the philanthropic lens with positive NRG, as we look at purpose and our mission, we know where we want to go. We're making bold statements, uh, both as an organization and with our philanthropic. So we're looking at how do we get there? We know we're not there. We know we don't have all the answers. We know that this is not an option. We need to, as a society, for our families, for our friends, for our neighbors, for the planet, move in this direction. Um, I can give an example here where we've partnered with Earthshare and we've started issuing grants with them. They will be announced within the next week or so. Ah, uh, we have a breaking news here. All right, love it. <laughs> you definitely have a little inside scoop here. And the goal was, again, when you look at choice and when you look at a renewable energy future, how do you educate people? How do you excite them? How do you create this conversation? And we're starting with nonprofits in, in the environmental space. And we're saying, look, you don't need to take on our agenda. At times, we might be at odds. But if we don't have the conversation together, we're not going to get anywhere. So let's work on these grants. Let's hear your viewpoint in terms of how do you work towards a just transition? How do you work towards sustainable or environmental goals with an energy lens? And our ultimate goal, and again, future casting from what NRG is doing, is saying, if we want a green energy future, if we want to get there, people need to execute on their choice and they need to be educated. So let's have these nonprofits go out and, and work on that from their lens. And some of it might work, some of it might not, but we have to give it a try and we have to partner in order to move that conversation. It's interesting that you are inciting the conversation and you're not saying it has to be one way, which I think is really smart uh, to do that. And um, again, you're, you know, you talk a lot about empowering people, but to get to scale, it's smart that you're using, um, you know, environmental not-for-profits to engage their constituents. And they should. And again, we're not always going to agree. At times we might vehemently disagree with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. But we all know that we have the same goal in the future. So let's have the discourse, which is a de decarbonized future. Correct. I mean, I, I, I love one of your, um, I think, grants in uh, Houston is for electric vehicles. Um, and also you've got, you know, you've got one point six gigawatts of renewables in your portfolio. Um, a lot of solar. And I don't know if you want to talk about coal because coal is still a major part of your portfolio, but you're doing some interesting technological things to your coal, you know, generating plants. So I don't know if you want to touch on that. I can't speak too much to the technical aspect 
What I can say is it is a bridge, right? We all use electricity every day. So we're all, we're all in this together. Um, so how can we solve it together? And that's really, again, when you look at Positive NRG's partnership, Positive NRG's objective, it's going out there, you know, reaching into the future and saying, like, let's start working on this now, and then everybody can catch it. So for our listeners, the name of your focused initiative is Positive NRG. So can it's a it's a best in class program. I love the fact that it's so diverse and that you're it's both conversation and action. So can you um explain it to our listeners, the multiple elements, um how you work cross functionally with your organization to bring it to life? Originally, when I first started, it was called Global Giving. Uh, we did have a more international approach. But again, when you look at purpose, when you look at what our goals are, we are a domestic U.S.-based company. So that's where our focus should be. We definitely scaled back on the international. Um, and what we do is it's a three-tiered approach. We have our corporate-level giving, which are some of the larger-scale programs that, that can scale, that are replicable across the country, that deal with our most strategic high-level initiatives. So whether that is sustainability, whether that's choice, it's something that can apply to both our generation and our retail side. It involves the entire organization. We then have granting at a local market level, both at our plants and our offices. And that's so that each respective location can support the organizations that matter to that community. So again, empowering that choice. Then we have employee level giving because we want to champion the causes that employees find near and dear to their heart. So it's really important that everybody feels empowered, that everybody has a say. They might not have the say at all levels of our giving, but they have a way that they can engage and a way that they can activate that's meaningful to them. And, and again, choice. I think that, again, I love your, you know, the ribbon that goes through the theme. It's a, it's a strategic theme, which is choice. Can you give us a sense of how your employees are responding to having that choice? I think, by and large, it is very successful. I think from a philanthropic lens, it is extremely successful, right? Um, where I, it's new territory for us is when you look at our diversity, inclusion, and equity initiatives, uh, which we, Positive NRG, is also involved in in partnership with our HR team, and how we pull choice into the conversation there. Who are, what causes are we supporting? How do we align with our business resource groups, what we refer to as our BRG? So how does one's identity, how one's authentic self, lead into and blend into our philanthropic giving, whether it's organizations that we're supporting on the local market level, supporting organizations that our employees want to support, but having conversations, again, from that societal viewpoint, uh, we're all working from home. Our personal lives and our professional lives are forever blended right now. So these are topics that come up. How do we partner with social justice organizations organizations that are supporting causes that employees are feeling very strongly about now and doing so in a way that is authentic 
doing so in a way that doesn't overstep our bounds in terms of how we define our corporate identity and doing so in a way that's protecting the organization from organizations that might not be seen as necessarily good actors in the space or have a very clear political agenda. And I think when it comes to choice, that's where it becomes a little bit tricky now, right? In, in the past, it was very easy to say, we support you. Um, and now it's, well, is that enough? How are you speaking about this topic? You know, what are you doing to show your support for the community? Do you want to engage in defunding the police? And that's a conversation, quite honestly, that's very tricky for a corporation to have, right? You, it's, it's going out in that area of, uh, you know, we might feel one way personally, but professionally, are we willing to go out on a limb and take that stand? So dialing it back to a place where the employees still feel engaged, but that the corporation is protected. Protected. Yes. Yes, yes. So you just jumped to the um, protests and the, you know, the, the country in anguish about social justice. Um, what I want to do is let's just continue on that. And then I want to go back to COVID because you had a very strategic response to COVID over $2 million of investment. So racial justice and the inequities and systemic racism, I mean, it is Everywhere, everybody's talking about it. We're um, angry. We're scared. And and I think that choice, I'm just curious about, because this is current for NRG. And because you are both in Texas and you're on the East Coast and you're in 20 communities, how are you using your purpose to guide your actions? Beyond, I know that you're saying there's politics and then there's actions and there's statements. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it, it's, a, again, a touchy subject, but it's something that we all need to discuss, right, in terms of it being so emotional. Um, and how do you not remove the emotion and not bypass it, but look at it through multiple lenses to, again, make sure that you're speaking in an authentic way. So, so first and foremost, it's we, we know that this is wrong. We know that we have a problem. But our D&I journey is relatively new. So we need to be very careful about how we talk about it, not to protect ourselves, but not to be exposed because we are not subject matter experts in any way, shape, or form in this space. So how are you getting smart in terms of, is it employee resource groups? You're bringing in outside experts? It's a combination of all of the above. Um, we are looking at bringing in facilitators um, externally so that they can speak with employees, so that they can speak with senior leadership, because it's something that needs to happen. And I think a lot of organizations are in this spot right now. You've said a lot of great things, right? It sounds like you're hearing us, but what are your actions? Are you meeting us where we are? And the challenge there is, it's emotional. You want to make sure the tone is right. Because again, there are organizations that are excellent in the DNI space, that have years of experience. The utility industry as a whole is predominantly older white men. Now, how do you balance that when it comes to the power plants with office employees that are typically more white collar, more diverse, younger? And you have almost two different cultures within your organization. 
right? So how do you create a safe space where everybody's voice is heard, where it is inclusive? And I think where we are right now is listening more. We've, we've made some pledges and I'm proud of what we've done, but now it's time for action. And it's collecting those proof points, hearing what our employees are saying and taking care of our own house as well, because it doesn't serve anyone if we promise the moon and the stars to the community, if our employees don't feel that themselves. Yes, it has to deal a little bit with choice, but in this instance, I think it's more of a dialogue. It's more of an admission of not know, you know, hey, we don't know our blind spots. We don't know what we don't know. However, not being paralyzed in a fear of inaction or being afraid of saying or doing the wrong thing. It's no, we need to push forward. And I don't care where the news cycle goes a week from now, two weeks from now, this has got to continue for us internally so that our employees feel that they can bring their whole selves, their authentic selves to work. I appreciate your candor on this. You've been at the company 10 plus years. Were you at the decision-making table regarding overarching statements and uh, beginning the journey to listen? Yes. Yes, I absolutely was. Um, And that's why I appreciate how emotional it is. Uh, It's why I appreciate how rife with challenges, because you really in this space only have one opportunity, right? One opportunity, not just with your customers and your external announcement, but more importantly, your employees know, right? It's like, it's almost like when you're out to dinner with your family and your children know when you're flubbing something with (laughs) with somebody (laughs) that you just met. Um, And if if it's really honest and truthful, and they might give you some side eye and say like, "Uh uh-huh, that's a little bit not true. Your employees know whether it's through your silence or through your actions, if what you're saying rings true for the organization. And I think that that is our goal right now is, yeah, we've made some statements and yeah, we know um, we have work to do, but it's putting that into action so that our employees know that when we meet that person, when we're talking about it, it rings true. It's authentic and they feel that um, through their core because your employees are everything. If they don't believe it, nobody's going to believe it. Let's pivot to COVID because, again, I'd love to know about your role in decision making, how your um, purpose guided the quickness, the agility of your response, how you would respond. So can you talk about um, you, you, you had a two million dollar pledge that included funding, but as well as actions? Yeah, I think COVID was unique in the sense that it was the first time NRG, and and I don't know if it's fair to say many other organizations, experienced a slow onset disaster, where most of the times you have an immediate event and immediate need. This was definitely a slow onset. Um, So it was, where is this going? Are we sure? What do we need to do? So the advantage with COVID was that we had some time to think and to pause uh, as opposed to an earthquake or, again, any other natural disaster. So we wanted to be very strategic. We didn't just want to 
pledge a dollar amount to one organization and then, you know, have that be done kind of easy peasy. We tiered the program so that it supported a lot of the major city funds because we could give in an unrestricted way that would be able to help small businesses. Um, And small businesses is something, obviously, they, they are our customers. We wanted to make sure that we could give to them. But we wanted to make sure that our giving was balanced. And and I'll I'll expand on that further in a minute. We supported first responders, um, which was a a lot of legwork, to be honest, but one that I think paid off. We used our government and regulatory affairs teams, as well as our local plants, to identify first responders at a hyper-local level which was, again, tremendous amount of legwork to track down all this information, find the right organizations to support. And then lastly, we wanted to support educators because we know how many people had their children being homeschooled. And we felt that that was an area that was overlooked at the beginning. A lot of people were giving the food banks because they knew that that was where the need was. And we wanted something that was unique and different. So we partnered with DonorsChoose.org so that employees, again, felt empowered and was able to give to teachers or schools that they were passionate about. So to summarize, right, you have high-level unrestricted granting going to communities. You have hyper-local organizations that are supporting where our plants and our communities are. And then we have employees engaged at a time where typically They can't, you know, they would volunteer, they would be giving back to the community and they don't. So it's a way to engage them um, and to give them an opportunity to stay where they want it to give so that it it was a well-rounded program. Additionally, we supported uh, local communities with PPE donations as power plants. We have lots of PPE. Um, So we made a large grant through the business roundtable to support one organization and then whatever materials that we had on hand, we did also give out to the community. And then going back to employees and and engaging them, we had immediate response grants as well as large-scale pandemic grants. Um, And the difference there is with an immediate response grant, you could, without any documentation, request a grant up to $500, and it would be wired into your bank account within five business days. Um, so why is that critical? Because we know that when people are in need, the last thing they need to do is try to pull together paperwork to prove, right? It's, it's almost insult to injury. Like, okay, you say you're having a rough time. Well, prove it to me. Um, and we know that there's an immediacy. If people need food, if people needed to pay their rent, we wanted to make sure that they could get the money and they could get it. Um, no questions asked right away. Uh, and we had quite a, a few employees in the hundreds um, take advantage of that program. The, the large-scale grants are um, materially greater, up to $15,000. Uh, and there is a burden of proof there uh, that is federally guided. But yet we felt, look, we still want to keep that open. We don't want to turn that off while this is going on because people struggle. And it might not have been our employees um, per se, but their household members, their other family members that were laid off, um, that weren't able to make ends meet. And we wanted to make sure that they were taken care of. 
I'm so sorry that we're kind of getting winding down to the length of our show, but I always love to ask my guests, what are three insights that you can share um, with professionals listening to this or even students as well, but more so people sitting in your seat Um, and maybe they're in giving or philanthropy or corporate citizenship, or maybe they're in brand. But what are the three most important insights you'd like to share regarding purpose and its power to, I, I think your theme is unite. First and foremost, listen to people. Understand where they're coming from and their perspective. Uh, and be clear about what your objectives are. Because I think that candor helps build great relationships. You're meeting people where they are. You're just being very honest where you are. Um, and I think that that allows for these opportunities to develop. I think it's okay to admit that you don't know everything. <laughs> because I think so many times we, we feel, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years. I, I must be the subject matter expert. <laughs> um, and then being open to everything, particularly what's going on in the world that's not necessarily in your space because everything is so interconnected these days. I don't um, live solely in the philanthropic world. You know, I try to digest media and perspectives from all different lenses, ones that I agree with and particularly ones that I don't agree with because I think When you have that understanding, if you had a negative viewpoint of somebody or a negative perspective, maybe you don't need to like them, but you can bring it to neutral. And if you can bring it to neutral, then maybe you can create that discourse. And if you can create that discourse, then you can really move things forward. That's a common theme. Listening, conversation, um, conversation that could disagree but getting to interesting, advancing solutions. So I love that. So Jennifer, we're, we're at the bottom of the show, but I always love to give my guests the last word. Um, you know, what haven't you said or what would you like to emphasize again? It's been a great conversation. And I love that we started out where, where you started 10, 12 years ago, and now you were emphatic about this is about being strategic and focused and integrated with the business. Don't limit yourself. Don't limit yourself by definitions. Don't limit yourself by what you think is right. Don't limit yourself by what other people are saying are right. Um, You can disagree. And trust me, particularly in the DEI space, we've had some some heated conversations in terms of what's right. Um, But I think if, if you can... Again, from that listening perspective, from that uh, place of understanding, allow yourself to state your ground that you're, you're really going to be able to get ahead. Because I have, in all of these roles, in all of these years, been in the position where I'm swinging up. I'm always swinging up. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay, explain swinging up. Most of my peers, right, we're presenting to our C-suite or our boards. And 
I'm a big picture thinker. You know, how do you explain to people, well, if you want to have a choice conversation, we need to go 10 years into the future. I get that you're five years into the future. I'm going 10 years into the future where I have these crazy ideas. I want a hot cocoa truck to talk about energy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Explain to me how that aligns, Miss Brunel. Uh, Things like that. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Where... You're swinging up. You are definitely, in order to push the envelope, in order to really advance your organization's dollars in a way that truly can impact the most people in the most meaningful way, you got to swing up. This is not being in a comfortable space. This is not, you know, playing it safe. You got to think big. Gotta think big. So I want to thank you, Jennifer Brunel. This has been a fabulous conversation. Um, We've learned about swinging up. We've learned a lot about choice. And it all ties back to, if I would simplify your purpose, it's about powering the possible. So this has been wonderful. We're going to put lots of uh, links in our show notes. And I would just like to, this is just great. This is like, you know, my God, I was saying, well, I don't know about energy. I know Jennifer's been great, but I have been so inspired. I know our listeners have. I love your point about you don't have to know it all, but you should swing up. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I always end my show asking our listeners, what is your purpose.